lesson for God's Word, and the lesson for our sermon today is from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 42. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the peoples and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. This is God's word. Dear friends of Jesus, As he neared retirement, I heard an old pastor tell a story about the day he graduated from the seminary. Seminary is the place where pastors go to study to be pastors. He had this memory of when he graduated from the seminary, and his memory was what his mother said to him the day he graduated from the seminary. After all the ceremonies were over, she, she quietly gave him a hug, and she whispered some advice in his ear. Can you guess what it was? What advice would a mother give her son when he graduates from the seminary? Here's what she said. Comfort the people. Those three words. Comfort the people. The story's always stuck with me. Maybe because I'm a pastor. But with all that this pastor was going to do in his ministry, this is what his mother wanted him to remember more than anything else. Comfort the people. Comfort the people. Because every single one of us needs comfort. You know, when we come to church, we all put smiles on our faces, right? We, we act like we're brave and strong. We, we like to do this thing where we pretend like everything is always going great in our lives. Even though there's not a single person here for whom everything is going great in our lives, every single one of us needs comfort and strength. We need to know that we matter. We need to know that someone cares. We need to know that someone is in control. We need to know that there's someone who forgives us. We all need comfort. Don't believe me? What's your comfort food? Oh, come on, I know you got one. Right? That food that you ask yourself, why am I eating this? You know why. Because you need comfort. Or worse, what are, what are the bad habits that you can never break? Right? That thing that you're doing it again and you say, why am I doing this again? And you know why. It's because you need comfort. Every one of us needs comfort. That mother was right. Comfort the people. Even Jesus needed to be comforted. 
That's an interesting thought that we find in the Bible. Even Jesus needed to be comforted. We've got to explain that. Of course, as God, Jesus does not need to be comforted. But this is how far Jesus humbled himself for us. Jesus humbled himself and became a human being. As a human being, Jesus needed to eat food. As a human being, Jesus needed to sleep. As a human being, Jesus needed to be comforted. That's what we have in our lesson today. It's from the Old Testament, from Isaiah. Isaiah lived... 700 years from when Jesus was born. But in our lesson today, we have words of comfort from God the Father to God the Son. God the Father is giving comfort to Jesus. He says to Jesus, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. Those comforting words must have given Jesus strength. My chosen one in whom I delight. Can you imagine having God say that about you? You know what Jesus' life was like. It wasn't easy. He faced pain and sadness and the death of people whom he loved. He faced rejection and outward failure and his own death on the cross for us and for our sins. And before Jesus faced all that, God the Father gave him comfort. He said, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the peoples and a light for the Gentiles. This was comfort for Jesus from God. Before Jesus faced all of those trials in his life, God comforted him. I have called you. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you. It was comfort for Jesus. And this just happened here in the Old Testament. There's two times during Jesus' life on earth when God the Father thundered down comforting words from Jesus from heaven. Can you name those two times when God the Father did that? One we just heard about. I would hope you could get one of the two. There's a Jesus' baptism. When Jesus was baptized, this voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Wouldn't it be great to have God say that about you? What comfort. Later on at the end of Jesus' ministry, as He was about to start heading to Jerusalem to die on the cross, on, on Transfiguration Day, the same thing happened. This voice from heaven thundered down and said, This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Remember what that mother said? Comfort the people. That is what God the Father did to Jesus over and over and over again. He comforted him. You are my chosen one in whom I delight. So you know what Jesus was really good at doing? Comforting. Showing compassion. Caring. Listen to what God the Father said that Jesus would do. He said, I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope Jesus brings comfort 
Out of all that, I especially like the phrase that a, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Do you ever feel like that? Like a smoldering wick? Can you, can you picture what that's talking about? When you have a candle and you blow out the flame for, for a split second, it gives off a lot of smoke and there's that little red dot, right? At the top of the wick, it's just barely still, still burning. Or what you feel like? Just about out, just barely going. How about a, a bruised reed? Imagine a plant that's been stepped on and stomped on over and over again, and it's just hanging together like by a thread. Is that what you feel like? A bruised reed? And Jesus came for you. Jesus didn't come to weed out all the weak people. Sometimes today, coaches or even parents like to really yell at kids to try to motivate them, right? Almost like you got to tear them down before they build them up even stronger. And Jesus is not like that. Jesus cares. Jesus loves. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. There, there's so many examples of this in the Bible. There's a little girl who died. And her friends and her relatives were weeping. But Jesus told her parents not to cry. And he went into her room and, and he took her by the hand. And he said, little girl, get up. She got up. There was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. In desperation, one day she reached out and she touched Jesus' robe. In Bible times, a person who was bleeding was not allowed to touch anyone else. It was like the ancient form of social distancing to try to keep diseases from spreading. And yet when she touched Jesus' robe, Jesus didn't get upset. Instead, he, he turned to her and he said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Jesus himself reached out and he, and he touched people with leprosy. Jesus went and ate at the homes of tax collectors. Jesus talked with prostitutes because this is what Jesus came to do. He came to comfort the people. So if you need comfort in your life, you can find it in Jesus. Even, even when you sin. Even when you deserve the worst. Even when you feel like you live in darkness. The end of our lesson says that Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Even when you've, you've lived in blindness, even when you've been a captive to sin, even when your life has been the deepest darkness, even when it seems like there is no hope, like there is no one who could possibly care, Jesus came for you. He came to save you. He came to comfort you. To open the eyes of the blind. To free captives from prison. To release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. This is why God the Father said this about Jesus. He is my chosen one in whom I delight. Wouldn't it be great if God could say that about you? Wouldn't it be great if God were to come to you and look you in the eye and say... You are my chosen one in whom I delight. Wouldn't that just set your heart on fire? 
God does. When? In baptism. In baptism, all of the wonderful things that God says about Jesus, he, he says those about you. This verse that we've heard a couple of times in our, in our service already from the book of Galatians, it says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. When you were baptized, that water washed away all of your sins. When you were baptized, God claimed you as his own child. When you were baptized, God looked you in the eye and he said, You are my chosen one in whom I delight. talk about this often in our church, but baptism is not your commitment to God. That's a false idea that's in so many Christian churches today. Baptism is not your commitment to God. Baptism is God's commitment to you. When you were baptized, it was like the heavens opened and His voice thundered down. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I love. With you I am well pleased. When you were baptized, God said to you, you are my chosen one in whom I delight. If God says that about you, if God looks at you and says, you are my chosen one in whom I delight, why does it matter what anybody else says? Who cares what the coach says about you when God says, you are my chosen one in whom I delight? Who cares what the boss or the co-workers say about you when God looks at you and says, you are my chosen one in whom I delight? Isn't this comforting? This is what we need to face the trials of life. So I was writing this sermon. I noticed that one of my friends on Facebook posted that she had just had a, a major surgery. You know how it goes on Facebook. This was somebody I hadn't thought about for a long time. But it, it caught my attention because in her post, she quoted these verses from Isaiah. Especially the verse about the bruised reed and the smoldering wick. And she wrote something like this. She said, I, I felt like I was in the lowest place. Like I was a bruised reed. But God didn't let me go. I learned that making it through had nothing to do with my strength. It had everything to do with God's strength. No matter what you face. No matter what darkness you find yourself in. No matter what other people say about you. You are the baptized child of God. No one can ever take that away from you. You are God's chosen one in whom he delights. You don't have to go out and do something important for God to think you're important. You don't need to make a lot of money for God to consider you worthy. You don't have to have a, a perfect life or a perfect family for you to feel loved. Doesn't that take the pressure off of you? What God thinks about you has nothing to do with how your life is going at this moment. Through Jesus, through baptism, God says, you are my chosen one in whom I delight. Remember what that mother told her son when he first became a pastor? Comfort the people. I hope that this message is comforting to you. But you've got to know that that's not just a pastor's job. It's not just a pastor's job to comfort the people. This is what all Christians get to do. It's a verse in 2 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul says, God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others 
in every trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Do you see how it's meant to be like this chain? God comforts you and me, and then what does he send us out to do? To comfort other people. That mother's advice was true for pastors, but it's true for every Christian. This is what our goal is. Comfort the people. How do you do that? Just like the father comforted the son. With this word, God delights in you. Jesus loves you. And I do too. Where do you start? How about this? Start with the people in your family. I think sometimes in our lives as Christians, we always think about people out there. What do I got to do for people out there? Start, start with the people in your own house, or in your own family. If you're married, what your spouse needs more than anything else is comfort from Jesus. If you have children, what your children need more than anything else in the world is comfort from Jesus. If you have parents, what your parents need more than anything else in the world is comfort from Jesus. They don't need more sarcasm or more criticism. There's enough of that already. What they need is someone to say to them, God delights in you. And I do too. And you know what you'll find is you'll find that, that there's this upside down way where you go back and forth. Right? If you're married, maybe today your spouse feels like the world is ending, like everything is falling apart and, and you get the chance to comfort him or her to see God delights in you. You're God's chosen one. But you know what's going to happen? Is the roles are going to switch, right? Maybe it'll be tomorrow or next month or next year. But suddenly you're going to feel like your life is falling apart. And you're going to need that other person to say the very same thing to you. And this is why we need other Christians. This is why we need our brothers and sisters in Christ. We constantly need each other to be saying to each other, God delights in you. You matter. You're God's chosen one. The story is told about a lumberjack who went into a forest to cut down some trees. And he came to the first tree. He was, he was about to chop it down, but he looked up and he saw that a little mother bird was making a nest at the top of the tree. As a compassionate lumberjack, and instead of starting to chop, he, he flipped his axe around and he gave the tree a hard whack with the, the hard end of the axe. And the tree shook. And the bird got the message. And so she flew away. But as things would have it, she just flew to the next tree, which he was also going to cut down. And so the lumberjack went up to that tree, and with the back end of his axe, he thumped that tree too, and it shook, and the bird flew on, and this happened over and over again, from tree to tree to tree, the bird kept moving on, and the lumberjack would whack the tree, and the tree would shake, and the bird would move on, and that bird must have been, been terrified, the bird must have thought that that lumberjack was the meanest person in the world, to keep harassing her, and finally the bird flew up, and she made her nest on, on the top of a rock. Isn't that how it often works with God and us? We can all so often feel like God is against us. Like God is just harassing us. But he's not. God knows that all of the trees are coming down. God knows that none of those other places where we land can really give us comfort. God knows that the only place that we're really going to be safe is when we build our nest on the rock. 
on Jesus and his promises, on the waters of baptism. God wants us to build our nest on the rock because God's got this. I love the way that God is described in our lesson. It says, this is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens who stretched them out, who spreads out the earth and all who springs from it, who gives breath to all people and life to those who walk on it. We live in a society today where which says that everything is just by accident, it's all by chance. Right? Human life has no purpose or meaning, you're just one of many. And the Bible says, no. The Creator created you. The one who made the whole world. He's the one who chose you. Whenever you get worried, whenever you get anxious, you need to remind yourself, stop trying to rule the world. God's got this. God's got you. You're his chosen one. How can you be sure? Where's the proof? In baptism. From the day that the waters of baptism were put on your head in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God has put his spirit into your heart. God has claimed you as his own child. God has committed himself to you. And remember God's promise bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. There is comfort in Jesus. You are God's chosen one. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, even though we often don't like to admit it, we, we need comfort. We go through life needing to know that, that we matter. Needing to know that someone cares, needing to know that someone's in control, needing to know that we're forgiven, we go through life needing comfort. Dear Jesus, that's exactly what you came to do. You shed your, your life on the cross to release us from the captivity of sin. You give us baptism, which washes those sins away and makes us into the children of God. Dear Lord Jesus, in life, we, we come to rest on so many different things. We look to so many different things for, for comfort and worth and joy. Like that lumberjack, keep, keep chasing us. Keep shaking us until we, we find our comfort on the rock. Until we find our comfort in you. In your name we pray. Amen.